Hey guys, Mike back with you. One of the questions we're always asked is, hey, when is a review course gonna come to my area? The best resource for you is to check flightbridgeed.com. Courses are being updated almost daily. If there's not one coming next to you, guess what? We've got the fully accredited online university where you can take courses from Flybridge Ed, Foam Frat, and the list goes on. So check out flybridgeed.com today for more information. Hey guys, welcome to Second Shift. Mike Verkest back with you. Hey, listen, what we're going to do is have a replay of a live that Dr. Sani and I did along with Dr. Jeff Jarvis just the other night. We called it happy hour. We had no agenda. We were just wanting to check in with each other, see how things were going. And then, of course, take our cues from the people that were watching live. So that's what you're going to listen to. We hope you enjoy it and we will talk to you on the next Second Shift. Take care. This is Second Shift. Again, like like we said in the little uh, in the little cool logo thing that I made. By the way, you guys like that, right? That, that was hour. awesome, dude. I know it's pretty good. I got some. That was uh, that was a very bright pink. Yes, it's very um, neon. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I see, That's I see good. Brandon Brandon Means slid in here, and you know, I thought about I thought about seeing if he wanted to join us, but I figured he was probably better off to heckle us from the crowd. It's true. There you go. Well, as long as he's here, the snark was, uh, we'll snark make factor. sure our snark tighter is good. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Got to keep my, got to keep some good Aggies out there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, what's, uh, what's been going on you guys? Have you like anything, is there anything new going on or I don't think guys? so. It's kind of, you know, boring, normal sort stuff. Of, yeah. Yeah. Same Just here. Just kind of not very busy at work. Not a whole lot going on. Yeah. Well, actually, it depends on your definition of work because, like, at the emergency department, I ain't very busy. <laughs> but uh, hey, there's but, a uh, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion going on about that right now. So, did you, uh, Ratu? I know y'all have had. I don't know. What are you up to in your your area, count wise? The state is like at nine hundred ninety nine. You know, let me pop something up. I'm not sure where Texas is. I know my county is at sure. seventy three. Which sure, Texas deaths. is bigger. Cause that's what Texas yeah, has. everything's bigger in Texas. I was just looking at the latest little graph that was on the uh, news there uh, station to be remain unnamed. I should say And Oregon was down like bottom, like the third from the bottom for cases. So still pretty low. You know what you ought to do you with the sharing capacity. Oh yeah. What do you want? Flip over and pop up that Johns Hopkins uh, dashboard. That is an awesome dashboard. All right. Well, hold you on. know, I don't use that one anymore. Yeah. Well, no. we use, we've been using Domo, but I've been using the domo.com one. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take a look at both of them and we can compare and contrast. And I will even send you the link that my County has. I'm very proud of it. I it's like your live, link, but... actually. Yeah, you posted it, but do yeah. we really want to put this up? I mean, I thought the whole point was a little bit of a, oh, I was just merely discussing the, uh, you know, the infographics, but sure. Okay. I'm just saying, I don't know. Oh, why does it do that? That's the worst. Wow. It's literally. So anyway, Ratu, you, uh, I thought y'all had more cases initially and then kind of plateaued. Yeah, we were, we were ahead of you. Like we had, yeah, you were. our first case was February 28th or 29th or something like that. Um, oh, Andy McCoy. Hey, what's up, oh, Andy? Dude, you know what? Can you get Andy to 
Andy, do you have a, a mic hookup? We should get Andy to join us. From Seattle, they haven't had anything going on. No, in Seattle, they haven't. Man. They haven't had any uh, anything go on in Seattle at all. So, um, yeah, no, we were we were ahead of you, and then uh, and then we were watching our friends Andy and Mike Sayer and all those folks up in Seattle get just pasted, and we were pretty scared. And yeah, we sort of kind of gone somewhat steadily. We haven't had a big, you know, we're we're like in the some days as low as 40 other days, like over a hundred. Um, what's your so, normal census? No, no, I'm talking about our, our, the number of new cases. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 In the, in the state. So, okay. you know, well, I'm still trying to figure out where, and our, my, my, where I work, the emergency department census is down like 40%. Yeah. We're almost cut in half. Um, I understand it's starting to pick up and we're starting to see a higher proportion of sick people. Um, a lot of intubations going around, but you know, I work once a week. Haven't intubated anybody in my EMS office or in the EOC. You yet. shouldn't, you shouldn't be terrible. And I haven't intubated anybody in my office at home, which is where I spend most of my time when I'm yeah. not in the emergency department. Where do we go? Well, I'm trying to get the screen to share, but it's giving me a hard time. I don't know. I don't know why it's doing that. So forget it. Forget but, it. Forget it. I tell you. Yeah. So we don't really have an agenda, do we? Uh, no, no. It's probably going to become pretty evident uh, shortly. No, I mean, there's always shit to talk about. The first thing we need to get into is uh, what's in your cup. All right. Ah, so if you're if yeah, you're, if you're yeah. joining us out there in the in the uh, in the atmosphere, type in the chat. What do you got in your cup? I'll start first. I'm just doing jack and diet like there's nothing fancy about it i thought about doing some fancy bourbon or whatever yeah i just wouldn't feel it so i went i went to my usual this is what i get when i when i'm on delta like this is my go-to ratu what's that girly drink you're drinking it is not a girly drink <laughs> it is not a girly drink it is a vodka martini i usually use belvedere vodka yeah but um my new love in vodka is the costco kirkland vodka which well, how are you a, getting that? I got it. I got it at the Costco in in uh, in uh, in the Couve, but like like I don't know, a month ago before this all this shit went down. Yeah, Tony Henry's got a Bush latte. A Bush latte. There you yeah. go. Ed, Ed's Ed's rocking a Tito's and club with a twist of lime. That's not bad. Nice. I see an Austin uh, East Cider there from Sturdivant. Yeah. So yeah, well, I'll tell you, this is the vodka. Dirty martini, um, kind of extra dirty, extra olives. Ginger Very says cool. nothing wrong with a girly drink. All right, fair true enough. that. Well, I'm I'm too fisted in it this morning. This All evening. right, well, what are you? But are I, I you got, have a, you, I got a confession you or, to make. You have an Oregon, uh, uh, you know, something fancy micro brew from Oregon. No, this is sort of embarrassing, but you know, we're just among friends here, right? Just the three of yes, us. Just the three of us so far. All right, I'll show you what I'm drinking. Heineken. That's fine. There's nothing it's wrong the, with that. That's it's neat. the non-alcoholic version of Heineken. Oh, why that? And then my Aggie glass here. This is uh, it's Topo Chico on the rocks with a slice of lime. I quit drinking. <laughs> See, I had well, to tell them this beforehand because they would have booted you, me you out. Didn't, you didn't tell you didn't tell us that. No, I said I. I <laughs> 
See, if I did, I just, it's a happy hour. I would have, you know, I was afraid I wouldn't be let in. Well, there no, are- you, you can come in and not drink. You don't have You're to drink. drink group. It's all, so, you don't have to drink, but I'm drinking for many. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. With any luck, this will be a transient thing. But what I realized is working 12, 14 hours a day, I'd kind of like to get home and sleep. And if I drink a scotch or so, I don't sleep, you know, yeah. go to sleep, wake up in the middle of the night. And I figured now is a good time for me to get some sleep. So yeah, that's good. So yeah. Yeah. exactly. I'm kind of jealous. I'm seeing all these good. Well, good. I don't so know about what, the pomegranate I'm juice. Curious, but, so what is an unoaked Chardonnay? Because I was part of Chardonnay supposed to be kind of in oak. Well, that's what makes it fancy. Hello. I guess. I always think of Chardonnay as very oaky. Yeah. I'm not a white wine guy. Yeah, me either. I'm kind of I'm a not red very, wine guy. Very often. So. Yeah. I'll do I'll do a red. I like the red blends. Those are super good. And I, even like I don't, there's not a bottle to be found anywhere near me, but if it's around, I'll try it. I mean, y'all are from Oregon. You got yeah. the Willamette Valley there. Yes, we you, do. You almost have to go with the Pinot Noirs, right? Yeah. It's funny is we don't love Pinot Noir. I do. You don't? No, we don't. So, Why? yeah, hmm. weird. I don't know. Well, well, what do we see here? I don't I like Voodoo IPAs Ranger. either. Oh, now that is a problem. Yeah. So, yeah, let's see. I, I do see some Gompers gin, tonic, a little grapefruit, a mocktail. Oh, yeah, everybody. Man. I, I think do, that's a good point. Stores. Yeah, what what's the status of your liquor stores in Texas there, Jarvis? Did, no, 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 no. So that would be Gun a really stupid stores, right? idea. They're usually next to each other. Well, why separate them? I mean, you know, get all of your needs. This, this <laughs> is what I'm this is what I'm saying about like at least in Oregon, right? And some of these other places that have these state controlled. I mean, they're not closing them, but they're 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 doing curbside service, which they've never done before. Well, I can see that, but seriously, everybody talks about closing liquor stores. Well, it's a, it's a sin and you don't need to, you know, unless you want to see people seizing all over the place, you need to keep that damn stuff going. No, I think you're absolutely right. That is, um, I heard the Colorado governor shut down the liquor stores and apparently some of his public health people went, wait, he did what? No, no, no. Let me tell you about withdrawal. And it lasted like 12 hours. Did you check out the weed stores too? Yeah, the weed stores are 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 open still. They'll do curbside delivery. You got to pull up and you can get it. Here? You're talking about? Yeah. But I was talking about Colorado. Oh, in Colorado. I'm sure it's the yeah. same there. Yeah. Yeah. So the start about there is talking about Tito's. Tito's has switched over to hand sanitizer. We were running short of it in Williamson County. Now, Tito's is a little bit to our south in Austin. But we had a, um, there is a, this awesome place that has coffee and beer and they brew their own beer. It's called the red, I want to get this right, Redhorn. And, uh, they switched over and started making hand sanitizer for us. Hmm. I was a little disappointed. I was expecting it to smell like hops. It just smells like hand sanitizer, but it does work. (laughs) That's kind of, yeah, it's it's not, it's going to, it's going to smell like hand sanitizer. So one yeah. of our friend, one one somebody that that Mike and I know, I don't know if you know him. Uh, I won't name him by name, but he uh, he is a government official in this state who uh, is a physician and a medical director of the state. Was at work in his office at the state when his wife texted him that the governor is shutting down all the liquor stores. So he jumped into his car at 10 a.m. from work because he was working in a state office. 
ran to the closest liquor store, bought $400 worth of liquor, told everybody in the store that the governor, he works for the state, the governor's shutting down the liquor store, <laughs> drove back to his office, got out his phone, texted his wife and said, well, wait a minute, was that an April Fool's joke? And she said, yes, yes, it was. <laughs> so he called me and said, if you need any vodka, I, I got lots. <laughs> got it, huh? Too much, too much. So I got nailed with, you know, I usually don't get, uh, get taken on April fools, April fools or April 1st was Wednesday and that's my ER shift. So I normally work the six, a to three P shift. That's just what I do. And I don't really pay attention. I I know it's pretty damn sweet. It's cute. So I show up and every once in a while, uh, our medical director, Ross Tobelman will put me on an 11 shift. Right. And you know, it shows up on my calendar, but you know, I'm not paying attention to the calendar. So I have often come in and missed the shift. So I come in that morning, you know, I'm already tired. I haven't slept much and I'm thinking I had to get up at four 30 and I'm like, Tobelman, what the hell are you doing here? He said, I'm here for the six o'clock. You're doing the 11. And the entire ER had me for a good 10 minutes. They had taken all the calendars down. So I couldn't find the, the actual calendar. It was, uh, well, it was a lot more funny when. Did he actually come in early just to get you like that? No, he was actually the night guy. I was relieving him. Uh, we had a resident. The resident was in on it. It was a right. resident up until that point that I actually liked. Yeah, not so much anymore. <laughs> well, he did all my notes for the day. So, yeah, he's still on my, there you go. my you, good you, side. You know, for as much as we don't have an agenda, I'm wondering... But there's like 50 people watching. It's not bad. Outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. What do people, what are Thanks. questions? Yeah. What, Besides, you guys, what are you drinking? What do you guys want to talk about? We've got, we found out what you're drinking. Um, <clears throat> we did have one thing we were going to talk about, you know, whatever. We're pretty loosey goosey on it, but do you guys have questions about stuff? It doesn't have to be a COVID free zone. If you've got a COVID question, turns out we got a couple of experts here. Um, so yeah. And Jarvis and I are on too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Tune says, what are you guys doing to keep your hair so short? There's no barber shops open. Well, take a look. Oh, man, you just got to shave that. It turns out I didn't have to work hard. Yeah, me neither. Turns out mine just kind of stays like this. Although, even for me, it's a little it's a little long. You got a little stubble there? Yeah, it's a little long. It's definitely a little long. I'm not, not a big fan. Well, that was yeah. when shit went down was when my barber called me and said, we got to cancel your shave and your haircut. Yeah. And then I had to shave too. You know, I had to shave the beard. So, right. That kind of sucks. My first, uh, oh, so no. Yes. So here, I don't yeah. even know what the let's, hell it let's is. Tackle this, let's tackle this one, one person at a time. All right. I'm All gonna, right. I'm going to go first. You, you go. You go. All right. So, <laughs> so I'm assuming everybody can see Rimley's question. There's there, like right? yeah, four so it's, people it's a, who put Tiger King. It's on, it's on here. It's on here. We're going to talk about it. Tiger King right now. No, I'm, I'm only, right now. So wait, I'm only three episodes in. All right. So here, this is really a thing. It, it is really oh, a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. I made it through about two episodes. I was kind of multitasking. And I scrapped it, right? And then all of a sudden, I'm doing some I'm doing some EMS education via Zoom. Actually, I came up with this little thing to do, and it was actually pretty cool. Maybe I can get it to pull up on here. I don't know how I would do it, but I could try just to kind of show you. Anyway, and everyone starts talking about Carol, somebody, and naming all these people, and I had I had no idea who it was. So um, yeah, that bitch Carol says says Ed. True. Uh, so anyway, long story short, a few days goes by, 
I think it was yesterday. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm going to put my seatbelt on. We're going to just sit here and we're going to marathon this bitch. And, um, <laughs> I thought road two fell back <laughs> <laughs> and, and I got to tell you, so first of all, I was a big fan of making He's a murderer. He's going to choke on that all. I was a big fan of making a murderer, right? Yeah, I so love I, making a murderer too. So I like that. So this fits, this falls right into that. Although it's a, a little bit different, same kind of, I don't know. It's a legitimate, it's a legitimate documentary. It's not, I mean, it's reality-ish, <laughs> but the guy's actually trying to make a real thing. Yes. And so that was the beauty. So there were people there initially to film a reality show but what we are watching are the people filming the filming of the filmers doing the reality show so you're getting to see all this weird background stuff that was pretty cool and i'll tell you i, I finally made it through it <clears throat> the first couple three are pretty draggy you get into it a little bit more five six seven it's worth your time that that's my that's my take on this <clears throat> i all i know is even in the first three episodes, yeah, especially the third one, you're just like, holy shit, these people. I mean, oh, it, yeah. it, every time there's like something crazy that goes on, you're just like, oh my God, there's a, this is real. This isn't like, and it's, it's not even like, it's not even a reality show in the sense that they weren't they weren't on a reality show. This like this shit that happened that they then went back and did the documentary about. Yeah. I mean, they, they all had their own little live gigs on online and stuff, but yeah, no, it's, it's pretty entertaining. I will say that, but the, uh, um, the other documentary that we really liked was McMillions. Oh, I, I started watching that. I got about five. Oh, is that about that. the, the old McDonald's uh, monopoly game monopoly game? Yeah, yeah. I remember playing that. Yeah. yeah and that, so the game was, was rigged. The, and and so this is all about the FBI and how they learned the game was rigged and how they figured it out. And it's another, it's really well done. And it's just another story where like every time they show somebody and they talk to them, you're like, holy shit, yeah. you, you can't make this stuff up. And these characters are real people. Like one of the FBI dudes who they talk to the whole time is so fucking entertaining. Yeah. So, um, uh, but I would, uh, I would definitely, I would definitely recommend McMillions. That was really good. Somebody, it looks like who's managing the flight jet. Is that you or is that Eric? Oh, it's me. Why? What's up? Oh, it just said McMillions. That's, yeah. I'm yeah. just typing it in for people. So uh, somebody's going to tell me about this whole tiger thing. So Amber says that apparently one of the Bronx Zoo tigers has COVID. And uh, that's interesting. Well, I'm not sure. But it, has anybody out here ever intubated a tiger? I've seen it. They use like a garden hose or some giant tube about that big. You, you, All you I'm gotta thinking watch, is you got to watch wanna, Tiger King to learn about that. Did they intubate a tiger on Tiger King? I haven't got through the whole thing. I don't well, know. They do I use ketamine. Lot, you know, I think I'd want a lot of ketamine. How much? Yeah. All of it. Yeah, they probably use quite a bit. Yeah. All right. There's a there's a few questions that are going on in here. And, and All right. And what do we been, got? It's gonna it's been a good hodgepodge. So let's do um, right here. We'll start with one. Will anyone be switching to the Dyson Vent for their service? Is that really a thing? Yeah. I heard there was going to be like a Tesla vent and it's apparently just CPAP. So is the Tyson thing real? I I heard it was real. I don't know. It sounds is like it, it. Is it just a vacuum cleaner that you just plug <laughs> into the... No, no. Turn on and off, on and off. Yeah. 
It's a real, it's a real deal. I guess I'm going to have to go. No, we're probably not going to switch. No. Uh, we did order a vent for every truck. Now we had this in our budget before, uh, you know, the COVID silliness. Yeah. We were going to yeah. get the, um, we're going to oh, get the Hamilton or the Rebel. No, we're buying 23 of them. We the Zoll, the Zoll one. No, good lord. <laughs> What's Sturdivant? Help, help me out here, buddy. What are we getting? Oh, Sturdivant. Yeah, I hope you're paying attention, buddy. He'll tell me. You just got called out. Here, hopefully he's not talking about the vent we just bought. Anyway, it is uh, for some reason we're not getting it real quick. Everything is getting backed up. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. So here's an actual question. Stand by. I got to go find it. No, right that's here. not as well. Hands only CPR. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about? It? So what do you think about hands only CPR to reduce airway exposure to first responders? Turns out it doesn't probably right. reduce it that much. Yeah, no, because the now I'm a big fan of hands only CPR well, for until sure. we get there for lay people. Um, yeah. For lay people, yeah. But if you're trying to reduce airway exposure and you're thinking just because you're not, you know, doing DL right up in their oropharynx, which was kind of a silly thing to do anyway, then uh, if you think you're not doing that and you're not getting any exposure, every time you press in, the patient is essentially coughing. Yeah. So you're you're creating this storm of cooties. Um, even if you don't have anybody over the airway. So I'm not sure that would really help us out much. Yeah, I, I agree. You probably have less exposure if you intubate them and put a filter over it. Than, yeah, than if yeah you, I agree. If you are doing hands-only CPR. So I, I agree. I guess one of the questions, though, this brings in cardiac arrest. And so I'd be curious, Jeff and I, have we haven't talked. We talked probably a week or two ago, which which feels like a month ago. It feels yeah, like I think I hit you up about testing. But so what are you doing PPE wise on cardiac arrest? Are you fully, are you, are you assuming, are you not assuming, but concerned that every cardiac arrest may be COVID. So you're full on for every cardiac arrest. Yeah. So the yeah. thing I've been saying is all codes are COVID codes. Um, now that I don't actually think that's true, but we can't tell them apart. So we're going to treat them all the same way. Um, from a, we went through a, from a staff protective. Situation. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And so we went through a couple of interesting things. You know, I felt so bad for my crews because shit is just changing so rapidly. Um, and I was trying to keep up with it. And I, I think we just, uh, so Daniel, by the way, is saying it's the Medtronic HT 70. That's the vent we're getting. So we, uh, I wanted to try to minimize the exposure. So we switched over to iGel. We're normally a VL, uh, intubation, sort of shop because we can have this conversation this is good 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 yeah, so i feel right. the tension rising already There's i uh i'm just gonna i don't know what ratu is gonna say but i'm just gonna say now ratu you ignorant slut <laughs> just because you know i wanted to Change yeah so we switched to uh <laughs> we swin switched to igel we switched to igel thinking that there would be less exposure and uh, I'm just not entirely sure that that's true. Uh, right. So I think you change a little bit of exposure during the insertion to a lot more exposure yes. across the length of the code because the iGel doesn't have a good enough seal. Um, and then I got to thinking, guys, we haven't used DL for you know eight years, and we're actually pretty good with VL. And we're using VL. We're using a hyperacute angled blade. So you're at arm's length when you're intubating anyway. So we just uh, went back to that. Uh, we're working on a thing we're calling the Brandy Bag. Uh, one of our medics oh, yeah, is uh, Brandy. I saw you posted it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, 
Yeah. So uh, we're still trying to work out some snags, um, but hopefully it'll uh, we'll get it out there within the next day or so. So that's kind of what we're doing. So we had a big conversation. So number one, we are assuming uh, or we are um, basically saying any procedure that's aerosolizing requires full PPE, regardless of what yeah. your clinical worry is about the patient. Twofold. And I'm one, assuming here you're all in on the CPRs and HG, AGP. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all yeah, in yeah, on that, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so because we think that that the combo of, of you know people who might be carrying it um, and you're doing an aerosolizing procedure and then people who are actually sick with it. So the, the downside there is I think getting into your PPE to get into the call it creates a slight delay. Yeah, we had a long conversation, you know, and we have some super smart doctors in our medical direction group and then me. But um, we uh, had a long conversation about this whole what to do about the airway stuff and started out. Maybe we should go super glottic. And then we heard from some of our folks in Seattle. And, and like I said, Andy McCoy was was had checked in. They had gone that route and then they found that in, if they had found that there are just a lot of secretions, especially if you think it's COVID. And as, as a result, they um, went to a strategy of intubation first because it was they felt it controlled the 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 overall aerosolizing stuff better. So yeah, we, and it's interesting because they're still doing VL or I'm sorry, uh, DL too. They are, I think. But so we do VL and in, in in our kind of all three counties. We have different VLs. Two of them are Mac blades and are, are the, the McGrath. And then the other county is Glidescope. The Glidescope with the hyperangulated blade, we're using a rigid stylet uh, called the yeah. S guide, um, which is, is a, that, uh, it's, I mean, a rigid, I'm sorry, a rigid bougie. It's a more rigid bougie. Uh, so it, you can still bougie it. Um, and then in the, um, in the I county, like, I like it when you say bougie, 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 bougie. And then in the counties that are using the McGrath, which is a traditional blade, most of the time they're using a regular bougie. Um, so, so it seems it seems to me on this. Well, go ahead, Ritu, and then yeah, I'll. Uh, this is one that I see a lot, like in the in the EMS medical directors group and things like that. I see a lot of conversation. People are pro proponents of um, of doing the the. Um, the SGA because they want to minimize exposure. And I don't think you are. And I think the other problem is, is that when you, if you get the, if you transport that patient and there, we had a question about that too. Oh, we'll uh, definitely get to that. Yeah. If you transport that patient and you bring them to the emergency department, then you've got another potential exposure. Right. Uh, when you have to change out that SGA for an ET tube. You're passing the buck. Yeah. Uh, and there's a good chance that you're intubating them out in the open. And, you know, like we say, this solution to pollution is dilution. So if you're yeah. in an outside area, uh, it's less concentrated cooties. And now you're passing off the buck to uh, doing it inside. Yeah. So, yeah, that's well, let's uh, just because this has been my pet peeve all along and I think I'm right. Um, and now I'm going to be proven right. So, you know, there are those people that say you'll take my DL when you pry it away from my cold, dead fingers. Yeah. I don't hear them so much. Um, no, I hear they're, everybody they're asking with the VLs. Actors right now. Yeah, exactly. Quiet. Ooh, crickets. As, as they should be. Um, but now we're going to a, do you want uh, 
VLDL, DL with a camera on it, like the, the you know the regular CMAC and the McGrath, or do you go all in on the hyperacute? Well, I think this is the great time to go all in on a hyperacute because if you have a McGrath um, or a CMAC with a regular CMAC blade, and you're using it just like you would normal DL, then what the hell's the benefit from a cootie control issue? Um, that's the beauty of the hyperacute angled because you don't get up close. Now, I, you can have some back off distant vision with the, the regular Mac version, but I still think you're a little further away with the hyperacute angles. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I happen to have one county with GlideScope using the hyperacute blade and another with the McGrath. And watching my crews, they're still farther away with the McGrath. And, and so... Then what? Then, then they would be with a regular DL. Sure. They're because they're, they're still back looking at the screen. And even though you can probably most on most of those cases, you can see chords anyway, you're seeing a much better view of chords on the screen than you do if you're doing a DL. But let, let me ask, let me ask you this though. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there. Are, are you, I feel like you're sort of <clears throat> like if somebody, because there are a lot of places that don't have DL. I mean, I mean, excuse me, VL. Yeah. I mean, that's just sure. the, that's just the reality of it. Right. We have right. one place in our county that doesn't. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I feel like if if we're if we're worried about long term exposure, right? This can this continuously gener aerosol generating procedure in the sense of a eye gel, for example. Um, even if all you had was DL, aren't you better off using DL for that short amount of time, getting that tube in? getting that cuff inflated. And then, so you might have a little more exposure up front, but over the long term, you're probably going to be better off. Is that, does that make well, sense? So there are, I think if you compare, first <laughs> off, you have to assume that you're going to get it in on the first attempt. And if you're True. a system that is not routinely uh, intubating patients, and then you're normally wow. putting in superglottics and now you just get a DL thrown yeah. in your hand and say intubate, totally different story. you're, you're going to suck at it. Agreed. So, um, then you may as well just not ventilate at all. Um, another option, though, is just to stick with a BVM. So the catch, if you're going to do a BVM, is abandon all hope of getting a good seal with one person. Use two people. Oh, absolutely. Again, this is like a perfect opportunity to hit all of the things that I've been saying for a while anyway. So two-handed seal, if not for the patient, for you. about this, I've heard. Yeah, I do. I do. It's kind of a big deal. Do it, damn it. I was waiting for someone to jump in there and bust the chops a little bit. Bertu was right on it. <laughs> That's good. <clears throat> All um, right. Yeah. So I, 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 I think that this SGA DL VL question, um, yeah. is not as straightforward. I'm a lot of people I know are saying, Oh, just do an SGA. And right. we, are, we had a long vigorous discussion and we came back with, with, doing um vl and and then we have one we have a couple places in our system that don't have vl and we still prefer they they do a dl first if if they can um so i think the other thing you have you can't really have this conversation in isolation from what is your um what is the norm in that system yeah, for so sure if the norm in that system is you're actually really good with dl yeah well then make sure you have good ppe on preferably mm -hmm. a face shield yeah. Um, and get it done quickly and get out of the way. Um, if you suck at intubation period, 
then the difference in exposure, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be very good because if you suck at it, you're likely to be down there quite a while. Yeah. Uh, you're also likely to be interrupting compressions and doing other things. Um, so when we went back to intubation, I said, don't interrupt compressions. Just yeah, do well, it like I, you I, normally I, do I it. Think, I think that the side, uh, you know, Mo and I have talked to the folks at CARES about, I think we've already put in a paper, but I think our nationwide cardiac arrest survival is going to plummet. And even if you could exclude people that you knew were COVID, it's yeah. going to plummet because there's going to be less bystander CPR. There's going to be more delays in getting to the patient because everybody's having PPR. Um, and know, I'll tell you that here's the real reason it's going to tank. Um, because the largest city in the nation is no longer transporting patients without ROSC. And, and oh. people are just going to die left and right because of that. This is clearly the hospital where they can fix them. Who had uh, 33 minutes on their ticker before we hit that? Did I <laughs> ask that a while yeah. ago? Yeah, right. <clears throat> it's 33 minutes. So while, before we get into this, cause I want to, but let us know in the comments here in the chat, <clears throat> what is, what is your, what is your PPE situation? Like the place you work. So like, do you see yeah, what you have, like what's going on? I've seen a lot of comments in there. People talking about like rain ponchos and rain gear and, and you know all this kind of stuff. So I'm interested to see what what you guys are doing out there. But but let's get back to. Uh, let me hide this thing out the way here. Boom. And I, I do want to hit on the PPE thing. Oh, um, we're, we're so, definitely going to hit on it. But that was okay. a good segue into the. Oh, by the way, um, somebody said something. Oh, Natalie, Storm Thank of Cities is a great band name. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Wait, that would. Which hey, one? congratulations, Natalie. By the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Soon to be future doctor. Hey, Natalie. Future, yeah, future doctor. Exactly. It's awesome. Um, all right. So let's get back to this thing right here. Boom. Um, is that it? No, that's aircraft. We'll come back to aircraft stuff. Oh, right here. Oh my God, the apocalypse is upon us. What's the proof? The proof is that they're not transporting patients with ROSC. Unless you get ROSC. That's fucking without ROSC. Without ROSC. Shit. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, all you have to do is turn the news on and they're going to show you that this is how bad COVID is, that, uh, oh, my God, we're rationing care. We're leaving people dead in the streets. <laughs> so in the chat, if this is something you've been <laughs> doing forever, I do, do you think? No, like, no, throw, because think throw, about throw, our throw. think about our listeners. Every one of our listeners is like, oh, for the love of God, know, welcome to the modern God. age. Is there anyone who is forced to transport yes, corpses that's, that's to the a, emergency department? Let's try it that well, way. I think there are still states that that there are still a couple there are still states where they they um have to transport. It's not many. Yeah, that's the question though. Are there any is there anyone out here who works in a place where you are mandated? Um, not, I'm not asking you if you think it's a good idea. Are you mandated to transport all cardiac arrest? So I'm, I'm kind of curious. Yeah, no, I think there are some places, but I'd be interested to hear. Yeah. yeah. That was an interesting take. Um, we, I've had two cardiac arrests transported to me in the last week. One, the, maybe the crew didn't recognize they were an arrest until I got them. What? <laughs> Um, <laughs> but, but the other one was a witnessed VF and they kind of just felt like they needed to transport them. And so I, were they still in VF by the time they no, left? No, they were, they were not. 
and and how'd they do? They um they didn't do very well. Hmm. Um, interesting. You should publish something on that. Badass emergency physician and a papper taking care of them. Despite that, the side uh, Bafford, right? But yes. fucking ER doc. Um, yeah. Yeah, we. So I see. Uh, Jaron Gerald says they transport everybody, no matter what. I'm I'm kind of curious where they're from. Where are you from, Jaron? That's yeah. so sad. So, I think everybody recognizes our sarcasm here, and we, most of us, recognize that if you're not getting pulses back in the field, with very very few exceptions, persistent V-fib, I get that's a different issue. If they die in the back of your truck, depending on your um, well, now that's interesting. So Bill, this is not what, uh, is not what I hear in the news. I hear that the plague is upon us and he's saying that, uh, they've been doing terminations for 40 years. So is this not, uh, not a change? I'm now I really am confused. Maybe we are a victim of fake news. Could be hashtag hashtag. Now I never when I was working in Yonkers 30 something years ago, we were definitely transporting these people. Yeah. Yeah. With horrible, horrible CPR you by know, myself, a few, knee on the chest. You know, was it been about two years ago now, Dr. Sonny? Western that, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, you know, we we instituted our cardiac arrest checklist. And not only are we not transporting people that need CPR. But once we get Rosk, we're we're not really even leaving for ten or fifteen minutes. Because, yep, right, the, yeah. Like you know, the the wake kind of ten minute delay. You're not, yeah. you know, you have to don't package yep. the patient until you get Rosk. Because if you package the patient, then you're more. Like, hey, <laughs> is that? Uh, oh my God. Hey, Caleb. What's that? Yeah, that Caleb, Caleb? Caleb's doing me a, a solid Caleb, here. Bring one over here, please. There's not. Yeah. Much. If, yeah. Yes. The only problem is the one that makes the martinis in my house, and I'm empty. So, anyway, so what was I saying? How's it going? I don't know. You you saw a comment <laughs> there somewhere <laughs> that you were on the podcast. <laughs> what was I saying? I don't. Remember. I have no Sorry. idea. No fucking idea. Um. Uh, yeah, a couple years ago, <laughs> we went. A couple years ago, we instituted the checklist. We do the wake ten minutes after you get Rosk. You wait at least ten minutes. <laughs> tell you i don't i'm wearing a timbers hat and a university of british columbia shirt so yeah okay. sorry for the one of the few times i'm not wearing a michigan item um uh, yeah we don't we try not to to transport and what's interesting is um um i like i like oh my parents are calling me oh well hopefully everything's okay but yeah hopefully it is a comment from kendra at one of my former jobs we were able to call field codes until we got a lucas since then we were mandated to transport and one of my fears with mechanical cpr is that if you implement mechanical cpr without a specific intent then you end up with more transports of dead people. And, and as a result, you end up with more today, you end up with more transports of um, of more transports of um, people who could infect other people. Although mm -hmm. I still think that's small. Yeah. Um, and you end up, you always end up, you, you don't transport these working arrests code one. So you're driving code three how many of your medics are strapped in in the back during a code three cardiac arrest? None of them. And so you're increasing risk for little, for no outcome. So that, yeah. 
that's I think one of the downsides to Lucas, and we have Lucas in various parts of our system. Uh, I like it when you want to transport somebody, but um, I'm a real believer that the only reason you transport somebody is if the juice is greater than is worth the squeeze. Rather, you have <laughs> if you have something on the other end of that transport that yeah, you know, and the, to me like PE, that's maybe somebody you would transport, or if you have an aggressive cardiologist that's gonna going to take oh, on the table EF to the cath lab regardless or ECMO or those sorts of things. So I saw Daniel talking about, and I want to come back to Lucas because we're doing something a little different with Lucas. I want to, uh, Daniel said, well, what about ECMO? I'm like, well, yeah, what about ECMO? Cause we ain't got it anywhere. Yeah, sure. There are some hospitals that we have that do ECMO, but they ain't going to do it for our cardiac arrest patients. So I think we hear a lot about ECMO cause it's the sexy it's the sexy thing. And we, if we just transport all of our people, they will magically start getting ECMO. Yeah. Um, that just ain't going to happen. That is not reality. Um, that needs to be a very tightly organized uh, team. And it needs to be something that they are all in on. And the hospital has agreed on what criteria they're looking for. And among those criteria, then they will commit to going, uh, putting those patients on ECMO. And that's just not the, you know, we always talk about Minneapolis. Well, sure, but that's not the reality in most places. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I mean, Albuquerque does field ECMO, but then, you know, I, I, I'll twice. be honest, I've heard, what'd you say? He said twice. I think it's more now. It was twice in January when they, it was three times already by January. They were zero for three, mind you, but it was three times when they at any. I mean, more more power to them. Yeah. Go go for it. But I think it is we clearly need to understand that is um, needs to be looked at it as an investigative process. Yeah, I don't think it's ready for prime time, and I don't think they would tell you it's ready yeah. for prime. We time. have we have one center in Portland. Unless of course you have the head up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> Yeah, we have one center in Portland that's doing ECMO, although I think they've turned off their ECMO during the, the COVID, even though we don't have many cases. Um, and that's an interesting uh, that I have some there's some interesting ethical issues I'm seeing popping up with services being unavailable and things like that. Um, but but um, we have one place in Portland that does ECMO. Our where Mike and I are, we don't have time. We can't get there in time. So ECMO is not really. And none of my cardiology places are willing to sort of commit to taking a witness VF to the cath lab, even if they're still under compression. So I, um, I have some Lucas devices in my system. Actually, the fire department that I've been involved with the longest got them a while ago, but I had an opportunity to get them. So, um, yeah, you know, so. All right, let's let's jump into so the, let me talk about the Lucas device. Oh yeah. Please. So I've been very skeptical about the Lucas device because I think it distracts you from doing the things that are important to get the patient back. So we had a, a very specific process for implementing the Lucas. So you could uh, it was a two-step process, and I think uh, uh, Mike Levy described it really well in his PEC paper. Um, so we adopted that, but we don't let them begin that process uh, until 10 minutes in. And until the patient is already intubated. Uh, and the reason we do that is the Lucas is really good at generating blood and puke, which makes the intubation harder. Um, 
but we were shooting a video of how to use the brandy bag and I didn't want to be the one doing the the bag or the intubation because I wanted my medics to do that. So I'm figuring I'll do compressions. I'm sitting there doing compressions with an N95 mask and that shit sucks. Um, I thought I was going to pass out. It is hard enough to do good CPR, but slapping N95 mask and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, it's just exhausting for the crews way more than normal CPR is. And if you're going to do good manual CPR for 10 minutes, you have to have lots of people swapping in and out. And now you're increasing the potential exposure and the chance of our gowns ripping and, uh, exposing. So now, as long as we've done the, the main things that we need to do to shock them, if they need shocking intubate them, I'm saying you can go ahead and still do the two phase approach to the Lucas, but you can do it earlier during this COVID issue. Yeah. Hmm. Um, hey, uh, Carol, I saw your comment that they're still doing ECMO, but I'm hearing that they may not want to do the post, the peri arrest ECMO or the in cardiac arrest ECMO. Mm. But I do, yeah, I've heard that they're doing the, the, the standard ECMO stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Lucas plays a lot of roles. I have a, one of the folks I work with is a firm believer that the Lucas saves par paramedic backs. And, and again, I think, I think the pro I think the key is with any mechanical CPR, you don't throw it out there and go, uh, here you go, run with it, that you have a plan. Why do we use it? What is the benefit? Why are we implementing this tool and how do we implement this tool in a way you know, I think uh, I'm sure Ginger can comment, but I know that Mark Escott in Austin had, you know, they actually took them off when they yeah. found that the performance seemed to be worse. Uh, yeah, the survival dropped with them. Yeah. And I think I think the reason, and they did that, the way they did it, wasn't it wasn't exactly planned, but it wasn't exactly helter-skelter. They actually had trained on it. And I think if we're honest, the vast majority of places you get a Lucas their entire training is whatever physio tells them. Um, they just throw that thing on the truck striker. and say, here, it's a miracle worker. It's the life machine. Correct. And if go. There's no do. feedback like, hey, it took you two minutes to get this Lucas on without compressions. That, right. That's worthless. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm pretty proud of my fire department. They, 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 one of my fire department, the one that carries Lucas, they, you know, looked at Mike Levy's stuff and they, when, when they do it, if I look at the CPR process, I, the only way I can tell that they put the Lucas on is it, the compressions go from kind of all over to 100 right. per, per minute. And, but they're only putting, they're doing steps at the regular pauses and not, 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 uh, not having large 20, 30, 40 second pauses. So that's good. Yeah. Yep. Let's, let's get to the uh, PPE situation. A lot of questions, yeah. a lot of questions out there about that. Um, and for some reason, this thing will not let me zoom. Zoom is not the right word. I have zoom on my brain, Zoom. I'm, you know, <laughs> yeah, zoom, zoom. I don't even need to back thing, though, on the cardiac rest piece. Cause Andy McCoy was on here and Seattle did a nice, um, they, they did a podcast with NEMSP with the PEC podcast. And then Michael Sayer and Tom Ray did a webinar with NEMSP. If you yeah, that was great. org, you can get you can take a look at that. But um, you know, most cardiac arrests in Seattle, where you know, if you fall asleep and they wake you up, they count that as a save. But oh, did I say that? Um, but even with they're a pretty high 
COVID place um, with a lot of deaths. And they said that most cardiac arrests by far are not COVID related. Yeah. Don't let there be secondary casualties because you're so worried about COVID that you can't take care of your, um, do the regular things. And unfortunately I think we've already gone there nationwide. Yeah. You know? I do too. Yeah. But then, then what, what, so what about the, you know, I know, I know you didn't say this, but this is how I interpreted what you say is that, you know, cardiac arrest very rarely have anything to do with COVID blah, 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 whatever. So I totally get that. <clears throat> but all it takes is that one right now we've got a whole, you know, we got eight people that are going to be, you know, doing self-monitoring all this crap because what ends up happening is. Yeah. There's something to talk they're, about. They're not, they're not, they're not wearing the correct PPE for that particular. Well, call. But I, or, or, what, or what happens even, but here's an even better one. Yeah. Somebody calls in and I may have carnal knowledge of this next uh, possible scenario. Carnal that, knowledge. That, what's that? Is that what he meant to say? I don't think that's what you meant to say. No. Oh, no, I sure hope that's what he area. meant to say. No. Let's, uh, let's hear this one. That's not what I meant to say, but I know oh, about man. the situation. So it's a, it's just a call for a call for a patient that doesn't feel very well. Uh, they send in their the the surveillance, the scout, whatever you want to call it, the one person in PPE. And they start talking to the guy, yeah, I've been feeling like shit for a couple of days, whatever. And then he proceeds to go into cardiac arrest a minute after the, that one person goes in there. And then what what has happened is that people end up not in full PPE because they feel like they need to go in there and like immediately take over this person. And that, that is a dangerous game to play. Absolutely. I I think finding, I think finding the happy medium. And so we're having people say things like, well, maybe, maybe because even in a really good system, most of our cardiac arrests don't survive. We should just stop doing them. And I'm like, Oh my God, no. And then I'm happy well, to say, well, maybe we should stop doing asystole. I'm like, why is that different today than it was yesterday? Agree. It, it's not right now. Now, now right. in a resource poor environment where we are using altered standards of care because we we are overwhelmed, that's a different question. But we're not there now where we are, and we're hoping that we won't get there. Do you have to? Is the fact that you have to be in full PPE going to change survival? I think it will because I think sure. It's sure. I think that I think that I I want our providers in full PPE on every cardiac arrest, and if it adds a minute or two, it adds a minute or two. But um, changing who you work on because of this agreed is an unintended consequence. Is that unless you are and, you know, there are places where they're that don't have a lot of COVID where their cardiologists aren't cathing STEMIs. I think that's yeah. wrong. And my shop, ours are ours are right there with you. Yeah. I mean, in my shop, our cardiologists are at least asking questions like, do you, what is your concern about STEMI, blah, blah, or about COVID? I think that's reasonable, but they're not blanket saying we've stopped doing, we stopped doing uh, primary angioplasty. Uh, right. And ours are, ours are switching to now. This is for the COVID. I have a problem with that. Well, so for the COVID patients, so they're screening, if there's no risk, then they do it just like they normally would. They'll go in and cath them. Um, if they screen positive for COVID, what they're doing is TPA and then yeah, but that's failed that too. But I mean, I think there are places where the cardiologists have said, yeah, every, I'm sure every STEMI is just going to get TNK period. So, 
See, it would be interesting to see how long that lasts once they realize the downstream impact that's going to have on them. I'd be curious to see. Um, Amber started off some question, um, a, a comment about dispatch and asking pre kind of pre-screening questions, things like that. At least in our area, you know, we've moved to protocol 36. We are at level zero with that. Um, for those of you that met that don't know that, that is I um I A M D uh I A E D. I A E D. God dang, thank you. Um, International Academies. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. International Academy of Emergency Dispatch. Thank you for crying out loud. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you very much. So we're screening every caller for a medical problem through protocol 36. And what she's saying is that they are seeing people that are like not telling the truth. I know that's probably hard to believe. Yeah. Shocking. Are you guys, are you guys, I, I, too, I, I sort of know you're, well, maybe I don't, but I'm, I'm curious, Jeff, what are you guys screening people? What's going on? And we are, we're doing it. Yeah. We're doing it the same way. And then even if they don't get 36, um, after we have given all the instructions and got the unit in route, we then ask, is anyone in the house? Yeah. Have you, uh, running a fever, a cough, or have you tested for positive tested positive? If you have, please move to another room and have the sick dude, if they're able to walk out front and meet us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we do one, one other thing though, when we're going back to the all codes or COVID codes, you're going, even though we're recognized that the majority, what's that? You're doing a go back. I'm doing a go back or go back. So the, uh, one of my, uh, one of my former paramedics is a third year EM resident in the Bronx right now. And she's just telling me what a jungle it is. And she said that her message on this is that everybody has COVID, everybody in the hospital. She's seeing a patient because um, the normal routine emergencies are still coming in. Um, patient comes in with kidney stones, you know, classic description, she says. She does the scan and, you know, the scan has to get up into the the inferior lungs to get all the kidneys. So, for, exactly. Yeah. So congratulations, your kidney stone with no COVID symptoms has freaking COVID. Yeah. So, and when you look, when you combine that with this concept of three days worth of asymptomatic exposure and transmission, there's a pretty good chance there that in you, if you are in a place like New York or um, New, New Orleans, Orleans, where you have a really high, um, uh, what's the word, prevalence, then maybe your codes are going to be more COVID-ish. Um, I still think, though, that you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, when you get there, um, start CPR, and as you're getting with full PPE, that's a big one. And if you get a history that said, "Oh, by the way, they were tested. We know they have COVID, and they're in a systole," then no need to drag this out. We know what the mortality is of COVID once you're intubated. These are people that we know have COVID. Once they get intubated, uh, they're not really surviving very well. Okay. Well, this is one step beyond that. Now they're in cardiac arrest. So if you get there, they had COVID and they're in a systole, then on those I'm willing to terminate sooner. So I did, um, I'm having my medics now call me way early, um, with any time before any advanced airway call me unless it's an airway protection on trauma. Um, and then for cardiac arrest, call me and let's work through this thing together. Yeah. Um, if it sounds like your regular cardiac arrest, 40 minutes, baby, all in. Let's go. Just like we normally do. But if they have fever and, you know, pneumonia symptoms, 
then I'm probably, and it's looking bad, I'm probably going to terminate that pretty early. Um, we're 40 minute uh, resuscitation people here. I terminated one and five the other day and uh, 13 uh, a few days ago. So they have to call you for every termination? Yeah, I've done every termination for a long time. Hmm. Well, yeah, they don't have to for us. They can just. Who do they? They just terminate on their own? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that's a state uh, issue. So the way that we've read this, and I know there are people in uh, Texas that disagree with me, but the way I read it, it has to be a physician, and I'm not going to pawn that off to the ER. Uh, the primary reason I'm not is they're going to say something stupid like, like transport. I don't feel right, transport. exactly. Yeah, Weird. so I do. That's the reason I do all of my yeah. own. No, we don't. If they're a Sicily, they don't. They don't need to call anybody. They can just terminate. It's it's nice. Is there anyone there doing um, Jeff in Texas that, that's, that you've heard of doing sort of telemedicine stuff with people on scene? Um, oh, yeah. So uh, speaking, you know, I see means out there. We're doing Pulsera. Um, I had one uh, one today. I woke up yesterday, um, oh, so I have it set to do a uh, a siren. Well, I've never had a siren ringtone before, and I'm laying in bed, just out cold, deep REM sleep, trying to figure out why the hell this this siren on the ambulance driving past my house is just parked in my front door. And then it occurs to me that it's, uh, you know, it's Pulsera, and they want to video chat me. And then it occurs to me that I'm out cold in bed, and the video on that is going to change the situation a little bit. So I stumble and fall out of bed and get somewhere where I can turn the thing on. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, it's helping. I'm seeing, um, I saw, um, a guy that we knew had COVID got sent home. And so the story is he had a syncopal episode and, you know, looks okay, but his blood pressure is a little bit low and his oxygen's a little bit low. But so then I got a picture of him and he's laying flat out in the middle of the bedroom and Wait, his blood pressure prone. really is. Is he prone? Yeah, just good. No, no. <laughs> no, that'd be good. You know, I think I'm gonna syncopize, but I wanna recruit those posterior alveoli. I'm just gonna go ahead and go prone. I mean, why not? Yeah. Right. Well, the the picture though really gave me some additional information. It it helped me. And so did have you always used Pulsera or is this something you guys instituted sort of, you know, um with this whole thing or what? Yeah, no, we're doing it right now. I've wanted to do it for a while, but their business model is that the EMS agency doesn't pay for it. For sure. The hospitals pay for it and I'm not in charge of hospitals. Right. So I'm not the, I don't really get to be the decision maker right now during this COVID thing, they're basically giving it away for free. Um, now they're limited which modules you're using, but they um, did this you know, workaround for a general channel, not STEMI, trauma, stroke, anything like that. And uh, that's what we're using. And all three of our big hospitals have um, signed up. Um, and now they're figuring out, hey, this seems to be useful. I'm definitely finding it useful. Um, and I would not be surprised at all if they're like, oh, wow, this does some cool stuff. Why don't we just go ahead and keep this and use it for STEMI, stroke, trauma, sepsis? Yeah, we've talked about that. I think it's might be an opportunity to talk about it again, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, Remley's like, but what about ESO track? <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So there's there's uh there's there's so does Pulsera and Brandon and I talked a little bit about their um about their um telemedicine sort of linkage thing. Um, is that through Pulsara that, 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 that tool is? 
so be able to talk to them. Yeah, we're we're doing it. So there are, there are two things, um, both of which it sounds. Brandon's uh, going to text me again, like any second. I'm just and to say, I'm just can, see if he wants to jump on. I don't know. If shut this Jarvis guy up because he is so <laughs> putting some fake news out there. So I think they have basically engineered this thing really, really rapidly in the last three weeks. So one, just the normal app is allowing uh, me to make video contact with my medics and do telemedicine with them. Um, the other issue that they pushed out just, I think last week, the update went out, is they have the ability to, you give, say you uh, you call 911, here I am in the ambulance, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to the go into your scene and I'm going to try to get some information from you. CAD sends me your text message or text number, phone number, and I send you a text with a link to the Pulsera patient app. They click on that and it downloads and installs the app. It enables you to create a video link between you and the patient on their device while you're still responding. And that way you can do a better job of your primary and secondary assessments for COVID. We're also thinking about doing that in the emergency department. You check in to see uh, at the registration clerk, you know, and they have the big glass um, cootie catcher there. <laughs> and, and they just say, push the information under what, you know, what's your emergency? Well, I got a cough and a fever and okay. So here, give me your phone number. And if you have a mobile device, the doctor um, will talk to you and, you know, kind of screen from there. Yeah, we're doing, um, we had our, we had our tent set up and we haven't really used it much, but we have rolling iPads in our department now. And yeah. so for somebody, if, if they, we do, we have a thing called SDC special droplet and contact precaution. So if anybody is a potential COVID patient, which is like half the patients, even in a place right. like ours, they put them on special droplets. And what we're doing on some of those patients is I'm either calling them on their own phone, but now we're wheeling in an iPad. And then in the back I've got um, on my computer, I can do it from my phone actually, but, but they have the iPad has zoom on it. And then we have hmm. the computer in the back has zoom. And I just go back into this back office with my scribe and, and call them on zoom and I can see them and look at them huh. and the scribe. Here's the whole, HPI and puts it in. Um, so we're doing telemedicine in within the emergency department. Um, yeah. and then when I actually have to examine these patients, my, I'm in and out in like just a couple minutes, um, with full PPE. So I feel pretty, pretty safe and pretty comfortable. Um, and, and it's kind of nice cause you kind of, you make this, you make visible contact with these patients and, and, yeah. and, it, um, and they're all understanding. They're like, yeah, no, I don't even want to be here. <laughs> yep. So. We're using, we're doing that right now with, with the teams app. So we have, instead of a tent, we took over the ambulance bay entrance. So we put big Figure. pylons up. So, uh, EMS just doesn't back up as far and we have room for four or five, um, six different seats sitting out there and it's Texas. So it's not like it's, you know, bitterly cold. Um, and they sit there, you know, 10 feet apart and we have, um, whoever the nurse that draws the short straw and they just spend the, you know, four hours all PP'd up going from taking vital signs, patient to patient. Um, and we try not, we can do blood work out there and chest x-rays, but we try not to. Um, and it's interesting talking to them on teams. One thing we have kind of a, 
older population. We're a geriatric center of excellence. And apparently the use of the iPad camera is not a skill set in my patient population. <laughs> so I'm like, sir, sir, to turn it over. <laughs> okay. Can you, can you point towards your, your, no, sir, that's not your face down, sir, oh. down, down a little. Okay. To the right. <laughs> that's class. Do you not have grandchildren? How do you uh, not get this? Uh, ours are like mounted on little, little carts. But what's funny is we had them on little stands that, that, are, uh, that are on wheels. So we just push them around. But what's funny is all our chart, we had, we had them out in the tent and apparently all the chargers for them got stolen. Oh, that is <laughs> really classic. Yeah, that was lame. I know it's lame. That that shit doesn't happen in Texas. We're honest down here. Hmm. Bullshit. No, we are. Like it's easy to be honest when you're pretty sure everybody that you're thinking about stealing from is armed. Well, I guess. well, we're waiting for Brandon's going to jump on here in just a sec. But let's talk about the PPE situation here. So, what's yeah, going yeah. On? How are you guys doing um, in your neck of the woods, there, uh, Doctor Jarvis? So we're, we are actually doing pretty well in terms of masks. Um, we got a shipment of, I don't know, several thousand N95s. Um, we have lots of surgical masks. Obviously we have lots of gloves, um, lots of eye protection. The thing that we are having a challenge with is gowns, um, gowns, Tyvek suits that's in short supply. Um, so that's kind of where, where we are. I have heard, um, we're not having people reuse their PPE, uh, in my hospital, I have one N95 mask and one surgical mask that are currently sitting in a paper bag, um, in our decon room, eagerly awaiting my arrival. So we're, um, I think that we are probably better suited than the hospital is right now. Um, now the hospital, there you go, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Hey, buddy. Uh, the problem with the, the hospital is ship opportunity, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm not sure what there is left for you to do because we were plugging it pretty we good. Pull, now we got to pull in like Remley to talk about ESO track. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. So we got to get the rest of them. Um. <laughs> no, but con continue, Jeff. So, so, so if you go, if if you have crews that use an N95, um, maybe they just do their six foot eval from the doorway, whatever. They're not, they're not reusing that. Uh, so no, we don't require them to. So the um particularly like surgical mask. A lot of them are just using the same surgical mask throughout the day. Uh, but that's not really a requirement. So there, if after they're using a new N95 on every patient. I think so. Yeah. Now we're not actually requiring N95s on all patients. We're requiring them on what we call PPE alerts and yeah. you get hit on a PPE alert for uh, dispatch using their protocol 36 or if they've determined, even if they fell out of um, 36 and end up with a fever, they'll use that. And then for all cardiac arrest and now all respiratory issues. Yeah. So if you're an 80-year-old woman who doesn't have a fever, doesn't have a cough, who had a gravitational incident, went to the ground and yeah, now had a broken hip. Those, did we? Yeah, well. Yeah. So we're. So yeah, then they only need a surgical mask. Yeah. Gown or and no gown. So we are, we're doing the scout model. So first on scene, whether it's a fire first responder, which in our system is all ALS or almost all ALS or the ambulance, whoever's there first sends in one person, that person is wearing an N95 
gloves, um, um, eye protection. Um, and then they're kind of, but they're still trying to stay six feet away. They're sussing out the situation. Um, we're requiring our crews to place a mask on every patient, regardless of complaint and, uh, minimum of a surgical mask on every call. But, but what a lot of our folks are doing is, um, they're in, in most of our places you're, they're getting it one N95 per shift. So most of them are just kind of putting it on and keeping it on during the shift. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but, but, um, we're not burning through gowns so much because we're all because of the scout thing. And then if the scout kind of finds that it's somebody who doesn't need a lot of, a lot of workers, you know, kind of a low acuity call, they may only send in one other person with PPE and to, to, to with the, with the surgical mask to, to help move them to the ambulance for transport. All right. So we're trying to minimize exposure, but we got, uh, we got Brandon here now. I know. Thanks for jumping on, buddy. Hey, man, I'm always late to the party. And no, I'll probably bring up every helpful Sarah, right? That's, that's why I came along. Yeah. Well, so I think the first thing is I got to tell you, that is an outstanding looking jacket. I there. had a feeling you so, would enjoy that. Damn oh, straight. yeah. It's, I got the matching underwear too, but I'll just show you guys. And So, see, I got my, uh, I got my little uh, yeah. glass there. So, uh, you got to hit the important stuff. What you drinking? Uh, a little scotch, McAllen 12. Nice. Nice. Hey. Nice. Nobody Very likes it. Oh, oh yeah. Rattuza's gone, right? It's defective. Yeah. <laughs> You're stupid. I'm, I'm drinking my Topo Chico with a slice yeah. of lime. Neat I'll, I'll drink for both of us, Jeff. I appreciate that, man. And well, what you're drinking sounds awfully good. Yeah. So tell us about Pulsera. Yeah, man. Well, you know, it's, uh, you get most in the guys, age of COVID. Yeah. yeah. Well, the biggest thing is, uh, you know, we've been around for a while, but kind of, uh, the focus right now, obviously, um, is helping, uh, organizations, EMS, hospital systems, regions of care, uh, one mitigate the surge and to reduce exposure to clinicians um, because we get this, uh, you know, this baseline, even if our call volume is normal and half our clinicians are on isolation or on quarantine, then uh, that becomes a surge. So uh, just trying to find ways that we can contribute and help you guys out there on the front lines, um, really avoid ex unnecessary exposure. Um, and it sounds like you, I mean, there's, there are plenty of ways to do it. It's just one tool in the belt of, you know, that, that you guys are, are using, but, uh, we just, I think the newest thing is the patient facing app, uh, which we've never done yeah. before. We kind of spun that up and, and uh, I think that's what you guys are using down in uh, Williamson County, right? We're just starting to, yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool. Oh yeah. That's what I was, we were working through the, the, uh, technical aspects of that the other day on the, uh, on FaceTime. So you got to give, uh, give Orchestra Ritu a text with the link. Oh yeah. I should do that. Let me see if, uh, do the live, live demo, man. On the spot. <laughs> let me see if I can spin one up. But By I, the I, way, I've been uh, I've been getting all these text messages from uh, another thread of mine with uh, the board of directors of the Texas chapter of NAMSP, and uh, hopefully I'm getting them to hop on and give us some snide comments. So, Dr. Abraham and Vitalani and uh, Cameron and uh, the good Dr. Pickett is calling. So, y'all talk amongst yourselves, and let me see Sweet. what crisis is befalling us in. Central Texas. All right. Well, what is Brandon's conflict of interest? I mean, we're very clear that Brandon oh. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, first of all, this is all it, this is all free. Uh, yeah, I'm not trying to sell you anything. We're we're giving this away for. Uh, yeah. Come on now. For the price, it, it it really is. It's all free. Um, yeah, and I think I think these ideas, you know, we're getting much more creative about telemedicine. I mean, that's really cool. Um, I think hospital communications. Have you guys created like a COVID screen for the electronic push? Like some of our hospitals want every on every call, on every transport coming to the hospital, they want like a they want some COVID questions answered. Mm -hmm. Is yep. that something you've built in now to the push to those systems that are using Pulsara for all their communications? Yeah, yeah, we got a couple different regions that have. Uh, that's the thing. You can't hard code something like that in because everyone has a different screening tool. It's like using, you know, s sort of like stroke scores. Sure. Well, we do have a, a few of those. We don't have the piss in there, but uh, <laughs> we do. Portland International Stroke Scale. Yeah, yeah. The Portland International Stroke Scale. I voted that it get in there, but it just hasn't made it yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, we have some of those in there that a lot of regions are using in there. Um, it's just a standardized three or four question screening tool, uh, you know, um, and if they meet those criteria, then, uh, obviously they'll do an alternate destination or treat in place and monitor, you know, every few hours. Um, and that's why we're, that's, that's where we're using the patient app. They basically, it sends them a text, they download the app and then they can connect via secure video to a medical director or a paramedic. Yeah. So, but what I was, so I know there are places that are using Pulsara for all hospital communication. And what we're hearing from hospitals is they want, like on every patient, if this is a patient who stubbed their toe, they still want the patient has yes, no fever, yes, no cough. Mm. So have you built that into the push to the hospital on the on coming in as like a standard? Yep. And that's, it's a customizable field. It goes in like a, it's a secure text and it's just a, you know, however many questions they want. Uh, those are customized per whatever your needs are. Uh, but it's a single button push and they can answer, you know, they, they can go down the down the line and say, yes, yes, no. Do they meet these criteria? Uh, and then use those to uh, assemble the right team, I guess, to route the patient to the, the right destination. Hmm, that's good. So did you guys start, um, you know, as you were kind of farting around there trying to see if we could spin something up like on the spot with absolutely zero notice, by the way. Thanks for jumping on. Um, but yeah. So did your customers come to you and ask you like, Hey, we're like sort of merging into crisis mode here. What can you do for us? Or were you guys well, sort of working on this thing and then well, push to get it out to people or how, how did that come up about? Cause it seems that that would be crazy to just turn something on. Like, yeah, well, and usually, you know, in the tech world, any, any tech company you've ever worked with, you don't just, you can't just create something and have it out the next day. Yeah you know, especially with healthcare, because then you have, you have regulations. It's got to be HIPAA compliant. It's got to be secure. Uh, then it has to go through Apple and Android and go through all their uh, vetting. Right. Uh, but really it, how it happened is, uh, you know, as you may or may not know, we, uh, Tyler, um, we, uh, as you may or may not know, we've got, uh, we're working in Seattle with all the hospitals there. Right. And we have been for a, a while. Right. And, you know, they got, they were the ones that kind of got the brunt of it up front and, uh, we got really lucky and it was a hospital we had just implemented and trained. And so they were up and running on Pulsera for other things, stroke and STEMI. And then um, they got hit really hard and uh, reached out to us and said, is there something we can do um, to reduce exposure? We're blowing through PPE like crazy. We've got a lot of nurses and physicians on isolation and we need an answer. And so we, we kind of just jumped in. It was over a weekend 
and um, built some special teams for them, some, some respiratory isolation teams. So they were able to do a lot of their assessments remotely using the video component. Um, and then they've got obviously the team building and learning around that. And that's what kind of kicked it off. And that's what, and then, you know, at that moment we said, everyone else is about to need this over, you know, we're going to have these rolling epicenters, you know, they, then it was New York and now Detroit's getting hit hard and it's going to be coming to Portland. Right. And so um, we've got these rolling epicenters that over the next few weeks, I, okay, Portland, not, not uh, Lake Oswego or, or Clackamas or anywhere else, just in Portland. Mm. So, uh, yeah, you know they're going to keep it out because they're building a wall all the way around Portland. That's what I heard. I didn't know. I, wasn't, I didn't want to bring it up. But it's a wall that keeps gluten out. It's a gluten. <laughs> That's, that one's been there a while. Yeah, and G and GMOs, GMOs yeah. and gluten, except Labradoodles. So, so that was what kicked it off, and then we kind of just said, you know what? Um, everyone's about to be struggling, uh, including a lot of us that still work clinically. Um, and, you know, when we're when we're doing our other jobs or per diem stuff. Um, it, everyone's going to struggle with this. And so that's when we just made the decision, you know what, as long as this pandemic lasts, uh, this, this, um, uh, the whole platform is, as long as it's used for COVID management, we just, we're just going to give it away. Um, it's, it, there's not a lot we can do right now. We can't go in there in the front lines and say, Hey, uh, you know, here, here's a, here's a, uh, what'd you say? Not making a lot of sales calls. No, not a lot of sales calls. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're just trying to, you know, do our part and uh, help out where we can. It's not, it, it, you know, it's not a lot in some areas, but uh, what, you know, any little bit helps. So I don't want to go on a on a sales pitch. Anybody that knows me knows how to get in touch with me. Uh, oh. It's just one of many tools, right? For sure. Yeah. How's how's things at North Texas Regional EMS? Are you crews holding up? You guys, what are you guys seeing out there as far as COVID? Yeah, uh, we're starting to get more and more in North Texas. Um, you know, right You're now, all volume, all volume is down like everywhere else a little bit, yeah. um, overall volume. Um, and so it's hard to, you have to, you have to know what's coming um, because right now it's just really easy to relax and say, oh, call volume's down. This is nothing. This is not a big deal, right? Uh, right. But we, we know what's coming in the next few weeks. So we're prepping and trying to make sure that we've got systems in place, alternative staffing models if one day, you know, half of our staff is exposed uh, and we have to, because uh, we've got some alternate models. Uh, our leadership team's done a really good job at, at prepping for that, working with our medical directors and uh, some of our uh, colleagues. Nice. Well, let me, uh, so number one, just uh, I was in the middle of doing some shout outs to our Texas chapter board when Pickett called. And uh, so let me tell you, this is the fun thing when, <clears throat> stuff is just changing so incredibly fast on a day-to-day -day basis is rumors just get out of control. So Pickett calls me and obviously he's with Austin Travis County EMS. Um, they're our Southern neighbor. And it says, so maybe just help me with a little rumor control. I hear y'all are not doing CPR on anybody, no compressions at all until you intubate. Uh, and then you're just calling all of these codes and that you're only doing MDIs and you're not doing NEPs. Okay, well, I guess maybe some of that's true. We were not doing NEBS. We couldn't afford MDIs, so we did terbutaline. And no, we're still working cardiac arrest. We're just, you know, we are intubating earlier, but no, we start compressions quickly. So it's amazing how um, in this era where think we really are changing rapidly, rumors can get out of control. And trying to keep everybody on point, on message, 
is such a challenge. Um, Man. We're, yeah. I'm doing clinical videos like every day, every other day, uh, trying to get messages out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you run this balance between getting lots of information out and overwhelming people with information. Right. Well, and, and, and that's the thing. I mean, we haven't put out a clinical guide. Well, we put out new protocols like this week. We put out a county clinical, my clinical updates in terms of guidance around PPE. I haven't done a new one in a couple of weeks and I'm pretty comfortable with where we're at right now anyway. So that that's pretty good, but we were hitting them with new stuff every few days. And yeah, you know, it takes a couple few months for a protocol change to sort of get integrated, if not a year. And we're doing new stuff every five minutes. The other thing that I'm thinking, you know, I, so in my two counties, I have direct oversight over four agencies, but there are 16 different agencies involved or no 18 you know there's seven fire departments in one and nine in the other county and two ambulance agencies and as a result because everybody buys all their crap from different places and everybody's ppe looks a little bit different and but one thing that happens it's a rainbow it's a ppe rainbow yes it's a rainbow but what happens one agency can't get any gowns so now they're in tyvek and it rains through wildfire. Why aren't we in Tyvek in the rest of the county? Because you don't care about your people. That's I why. Don't I don't. Yeah, I've had you that, heartless bastard. I've had that kind of shit happen. And it's been very sad and made me sad when that happens. But yeah. Rasu, how many people photoshopped that uh, that picture of you in your in your full <laughs> I saw about 80 different versions. No, I think there's only a few. Yours was the best, though, with the guitar. I liked that. I like it, that. It Mike, was good. Mike's with the I hate Ohio State signage. That was a good one. Also. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. You sure that was Photoshopped? No, <laughs> it was directly straight from my heart. There was a fish. There was a guitar. There was a couple guitars. Yeah. There was a, fish was a good one, too. <laughs> there were some good ones. <clears throat> All right. Listen, we are, we have, we have gone pretty long. Yeah. I think this was good. What? What are the odds that that would happen with no agenda? That's true. <laughs> exactly. I knew finding content, <clears throat> excuse me, wasn't going to be a problem. I knew that because of yeah. our people, they jump in and they got questions and they've got comments. This guy's like, we got good people. Brian's like, I want you to keep up Brian. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Remley. Stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> All right. Any uh, oh, any, any final things? And um, again, Ohio State thing, Jeff. That's I figured that. Yes. Yeah. That's all right. So uh, let's start with Ratu. Final thoughts, buddy. Uh, keep calm. Carry on. Um, it's you know you just do the best you can with what you've got. Uh, there's no emergency in a pandemic, so make sure that your people are wearing their PPE before they go in. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm really proud to be an EMS right now. And I'm really sorry for what the folks, uh, in Seattle and New Orleans and, and New York have all been through, but I'm very proud to be part of this group that is, uh, really valiantly trying to fight this fight. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Dr. Jarvis. Oh, you know, it, uh, it is hard. I, I get that. The amount of information coming out right now, uh, trying to stay on top of it, what we are supposed to be doing for 
hypoxic uh, respiratory failure? Are we supposed to be shaking them upside down? What do we do? Um, the the science on this, what little there is, I mean, primarily we're dealing with anecdata because that's all we can do right now, is changing really rapidly. And it is very, very hard to stay up on it. Um, and messages are changing. I mean, just the CDC went from don't wear masks to wear masks. Um, and I think they had, thank you, Ritu. Um, I think they did it with a good reason. Um, but things change. And people who think that we live in a black and white world um, where medicine, there is a right answer and there's a wrong right answer, are going to be very frustrated by this. And that's a natural thing. Um, on the other hand, we don't really have a choice. We have to respond and adapt uh, to changing circumstances and use the best information we have. So I think the the best thing we can do is just have a little patience with everybody we interact with. When you show up at the ER and you get yelled at because you have a you're using oxygen or you're not using oxygen or you're giving an ebb or you're not giving an ebb or you, whatever the hell was in going on in that hospital two you know hours ago and has now changed. Just have a little patience with them because everybody is on edge. Everybody is getting beat down with this and everybody is stressed out. So I think the best thing we can do is just embrace grace and be kind and be understanding. When you get yelled at, just try to let it roll off your shoulders. I realize that's hard. It's a hard thing to do and it's not in our nature, but this is the time we need to, to let it roll off our back. It's better for the people that we would normally cut their heads off. And it's better for us, ultimately. Um, just getting wrapped up in that drags everybody down. And we just ain't got time for that. Yeah. So be careful, guys. I appreciate what you're doing. Agreed. Brandon, I'll give you a shot here. Oh, man. Look, I just th thanks for letting me join for a few. Um, yeah, as Jeff said, it, let's let's try to be patient with each other. We're far from, we're far from having this thing licked, right? It, we're yeah. figuring out as we go. And, and uh, it's a marathon, so don't burn yourself out too early. Get rest. Take care of yourself. Have a little fun when you can uh, on your days off and uh we're in for the long haul so you guys are doing great work amen thanks for having me for a few yeah thanks for jumping yeah. up and and thanks for everybody that tuned in participated with us we're gonna get on out of here i know i'm gonna go eat dinner and I'm, it's like midnight where everyone else is at i have no idea but thanks for joining us for this little happy hour that we did we'll probably do this a little bit more often right no one's got if you're not working you're stuck at home so why not be stuck? I think it's great. It's, it's real. you know, I couldn't see y'all, um, in Oregon, you know, now the sad news is out that I won't see you in Tennessee. Yeah. So seeing you here is good. I like hearing your voices. It's, yeah. uh, it's good to see my friends, even if it's over my computer screen. Yeah. It's been good. And, you know, speaking of the, having to cancel fast 20, Brandon, you were out of a job. Yeah, no, I'm going to, my, my family's going to put up with me for the whole weekend now while I'm home. So uh, 21 is going to be epic, though. So you guys start planning travel, right? It is going to be. Absolutely. And where is it going to be? Yeah. If you did not hear Fast 21 in Vegas. it's Vegas, Central. baby. Hey, Check hey. the Cyber page. We've released it. Um, it's going to be It's going to be pretty awesome. Vegas, baby. <laughs> I'm just trying to be calm about it because I'm super excited. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be pretty next level. So it should be really awesome. So book your travel, man. Get to Vegas. Yeah, I hear we're going to have, I hear we're going to have tigers. <laughs> There's going to be tigers and Brandon's actually going to be, we're going to give him a bunch of those piercings here. He's going to have one in his eye. Yeah. He's going to get the mullet and he's going to come in as the tiger King and host. I've got the Amos bomber jacket. I'm going to borrow Tyler's white pants. So I'm going to, uh, there you go. Be good to go. Exactly. It's tiger striped pants. <laughs> That's pretty good. In Tyler tight. <laughs> That's right. All right. 
Let's get out of here. Joining us, guys, we will see you on the next one. Have a great night. Stay safe. Second Shift is a production of Flight Bridge Ed, LLC at flightbridgeed.com.